Welcome to the Forge America Missional Podcast, where we discuss faith, mission, the church, and the intersection of all three. Today on the podcast, we sit down with Kath Livesey in Sheffield, England, to discuss her new book, Holy Disruption. Kath leads Accessible Prophecy, a ministry which works with churches across the world to develop a healthy and mature prophetic culture that both resources discipleship and empowers mission. You can check her out at accessibleprophecy.com. Thanks for listening, and we're glad you're joining us. Welcome to the podcast. This is Alan Bradford in Knoxville, Tennessee, and with me is Brenna in Albany, Oregon. How you doing, Brenna? I'm doing really well. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Unfortunately, Terry's not with us today. Terry is our, our partner in crime. He's in Lubbock, Texas. He's actually in Lubbock, Texas on purpose uh, with some of our, our Forge buddies. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I don't know why people go to Lubbock. I don't know if that's that's wrong, right, good, bad. I, I don't know if I should say that out loud. Maybe I'll edit that out later or maybe I won't. Um, I'll let Dave and Justin give me some grief. Um, but yeah, Terry, we miss you, bud, if you're actually going to ever listen to this. But what we're really excited about today is having Kath Lucy with us from Sheffield, England. Welcome, Kath. Thank you. It's great to be here. I'll say good afternoon because it's actually quite late in the afternoon where I am. <laughs> yes, and it's it's early morning for you, right, Brenda? I don't even know what it is. It's probably yesterday for you. I don't know. Right. You know, yeah. it's an alternate universe over here. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, Kath, it's so good to have you with us. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about you? Sure. Yeah. So I'm in Sheffield, as I say, in the UK. I am, I've lived here for about 30 years uh, with my husband, Sinjin, and we've brought up our three daughters here. They're all now kind of uh, left the nest and going out into the world, which is really exciting. Yeah. So we, we love Sheffield. We've got some beautiful countryside around us. And I'm the main thing I do is I lead a ministry called Accessible Prophecy. So I might get a chance to say a little bit more about that later on. But at the heart, we, we, it, we're all about helping every follower of Jesus learn how to hear his voice and every church grow a healthy prophetic culture. So we work with um, churches and people all around the world. So that's what I spend most of my time doing. I'm, I'm a member and part of the leadership of St. Thomas's Church. Church Philadelphia here in Sheffield, a church that has actively pursued missional discipleship, uh, missional communities, a different way of doing church over the decades, really. So, yeah, it's it's been great to be part of our church here and, and have, have some influence um, as well. Yeah. So that's a, a snapshot of um, where I'm calling from and what I do. Yeah, well, you're in good company with three daughters because I have three daughters. Brenna has two daughters, so this is this is an all-girl podcast, I guess, except for me. But yes, you're in good company. Fantastic! (laughs) I love having daughters; they're such a blessing. (laughs) They are. Well, and Kath, this is really a treat for me. This is the first time that we've met, but our paths are crossing in other areas. um, As I joined the Hundred Movements publishing team, and as I joined. Right at that time, we were launching your second book, Holy Disruption. (laughs) And so it was really special for me. It was the first book that I got to be a part Mm. of the launch. Uh, And so coming in and being able to launch a female voice right off the bat, very (laughs) fulfilling (laughs) for me. But as um, you're writing this book, Holy Disruption, in the intro, 
I got a real sense of urgency coming through Mm -hmm. that we needed a holy disruption in the church for our world, that there were some real issues to address. And, and it comes across in, in the introduction of holy disruption. Can you tell us about that urgency and what you were seeing and how it was driving your writing? Sure. Well, I'm, I'm absolutely passionate about the prophetic, about a Jesus-shaped expression of the ministry. And I think the sense of urgency comes from different places different things that I'm seeing I'm I'm so aware as I travel around the world work with different churches that there's often an uneasy relationship between the church and prophetic ministry church and prophets you know mm-hmm. however we want to describe it that you know historically there's been a lot of misunderstanding um, there has, you know, the prophetic hasn't, hasn't always had the best type of reputation um, historically. And, you know, some, you know, I have many conversations with church leaders who, who know they who know it's important, but how on earth do we take hold of a healthy, holistic, Jesus-shaped expression of this ministry? And I think there's just something about the prophetic that unfortunately, when it is not immersed in a healthy fivefold culture, when there's not discipleship right alongside it, that it can go off the rails. And so I think particularly in recent years, we've seen some perhaps unhelpful expressions of the ministry. You know, I don't want to go into too too many details, but, (laughs) you know, there has been a lot of controversy around it, you know, inaccurate, false prophecies, you know, some some crazy stuff. So I think part of my sense of urgency was just, yeah, we, we need this ministry. I fully believe that a healthy prophetic ministry is what the church needs uh, alongside the other fivefold ministries. But we have to find a way to demystify it. I, I think as well, um, certainly, you know, uh, for us here in the UK, we are living through turbulent times. Um, I can't speak for the US at the moment, but goodness me, you know, it just even in, in the last few weeks, everything that we've gone through as a nation, the cost of living crisis, we've got um, war in Europe, um, you know, there's just so much going on, you know, the environmental crisis, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And I know how reassuring the the precious voice of Jesus is in mm. turbulent times. Mm. And I think not only for individual Christians, you know, teaching them how to hear the voice of Jesus as, as that ultimate guide and source of comfort and source of strength, but I think there's something about the church uh, reclaiming its its prophetic voice, um, you know, taking hold of, of the prophetic voice that Jesus designed for the church and and being a body, being a movement that can speak to the world and speak truth in an era of um, false, you know, of, of, of misinformation, the era of fake news, you know, whatever we want to call it. So I think we can track so many, you know, societal and cultural trends and see that actually we need to be a people that can present um, God's alternative reality in in a way that is understood, in a way that is really, really healthy. And, you know, I, I, something I've observed 
uh, forever is that I, I think the the enemy hates the prophetic because he knows the potential it has for good, mm. and he does the enemy does all he can to twist and distort it, um, which is why. When we are seeking to grow the prophetic in our churches, you know, we have to be so careful that it's rooted and grounded in, in Jesus and, you know, in, in biblical truth. Yeah. So I think we need the prophetic. I think now more than ever, we need to be hearing the voice of Jesus. We need to be able to, you know, there are so many voices out there competing for our attention. We, we need to be confident as disciples of Jesus that we can discern the true, his, his true voice. Um, and, yeah, we, it, it's not an optional extra. Uh, mm. we, we need the prophetic as part of that, that beautiful tapestry of the different ministries coming together to produce the mature church. If we ignore the prophetic, if we forget about it, if we uh, write it off as just crazy and dangerous, we are missing out on something absolutely essential. You know, in America, we have no turbulence. It's it's completely <laughs> fine. Oh, I'll move, I'll uh, move yes, <laughs> come on. No, it is it is the same. Th- those those tensions. And you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about the the lack of prophetic understanding involvement in the American church. And where I see it so blaringly, it's so obvious, is that in America, I would imagine it would be true in other places, people, if you ask people on the street, do they like Jesus? They like Jesus, <laughs> but the church doesn't look like Jesus. And that right there is an obvious deficit in our uh, activation understanding of prophetic gifting and and uh, the prof- prophecy that yeah. Jesus brings uh, as a gift to his church through people. So in the book, you very wisely, uh, you know, lay the groundwork that we all come from different backgrounds and camps and understanding uh, with the prophetic. Uh, and you, you talk about, you know, three different uh, ways of addressing it, whether it comes through a social justice lens, whether it comes through a charismatic lens, or more, maybe a more conservative lens. And but recognizing that no matter what your lens, you really can, there is common ground for all of us mm-hmm. in the way that we live in this. And I was just thinking about my own like understanding and growing of of the prophetic. And I, I was chuckling to myself as I was thinking about this morning, because back, you know, before I really started following Jesus, even just Christians, you know, growing up were like those crazy people out on a limb, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And so then, and then I found, I realized like, oh, I'm out on a limb with Jesus. Like that was a, a recognition for me. But then beyond that prophecy was, you know, even more farther out there. But as I have interacted with people in my life who have a prophetic gifting, that grounding in social justice and in us aligning to God's kingdom here now has been such a gift to me. And so that's been kind of like, as I've slowly grown and understood, I think I've probably moved from like a more conservative Mm. understanding to really valuing the social justice Mm. um, part for myself. Alan, how about you? What's been your experience around prophetic and and growing up? You know, it's interesting. So I I didn't actually grow up. Well, yeah, I didn't grow up going to the church a whole lot. I grew up uh, overseas on a military base. 
And we went to church twice a year. You can guess which two times a year that was, right? That's <laughs> it's pretty easy. And then when we moved back to the States, when I was a young teenager, my parents are like, hey, we're, we're going to church. Like, we're going to go do this thing. So the entire church thing was just incredibly strange to me. Like, <laughs> I didn't understand any of it when I first got thrown into it. But it was definitely a conservative tradition. And we didn't talk about it. Like, when it came to the prophetic, the apostolic, we didn't really even the evangelistic. We didn't talk about it. It was not something that you brought up. It's not something that you you discussed. I mean, there's probably some, uh, what do they call that? The cessation where people are like, oh, those giftings aren't here anymore. We don't talk about those. You know, it's really just shepherd teacher. Um, and I think for me, the the path I've been on and I've been nibbling on the edges is actually trying to reclaim some of the charismatic because <laughs> those were the, those were the, the freaky people that you don't talk about, right? Mm-hmm. There's like, oh, that, that's, those are Christians, but like, let's put them over there because we don't want to put that front and center. But there's something about that experience about um, reclaiming and understanding that God is still active in the world mm-hmm. um, and and he's going to show up how and when and where he wants to show up, uh, but to reclaim that. But I, it, it is still one of those that I don't, I don't jump into a whole lot. So, well, we, we kind of jumped into this conversation real quick. So Kath, I want to ask you this. Um, we were talking about the prophetic and I still remember one of my first Forge America forays. We were teaching uh, the Forge residency to some people. We had somebody who lived, who had grown up in a Caribbean island and we were talking about APEST, Apostolic Prophetic Evangelist Shepherd. About halfway through, about two and a half months in, she goes, hold up, time out. When I hear the word apostle... <laughs> I think about the traveling guy who stole money from the grandmas and who preached the gospel supposedly. And he goes, she's like, I don't think that's what you're saying when you say apostle (laughs) or like, no, 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 let's talk about definition. So I think definitions are really important when we have this conversation. And I I think you have a, you, you, you kind of work towards some definitions in the book. Could you, could you give your definition of prophecy and prophet? So, and, and I, I guess because I like to keep things as accessible as possible, I I have a simple uh, definition, certainly, of of prophecy. But in the book, I go into kind of a a little bit more depth with it. So I think a really simple definition of prophecy is hearing God speak and repeating what he says. And that fits very much with what we see in the Bible. Um, And and then a, a, a prophet um it's interesting with the word prophet and i think you know we have to when when we're seeking to encourage people to engage with the prophetic and i'll define the prophetic in a minute but we have to recognize that some of these words they yeah they carry a lot of baggage you know like what you're saying with with apostle so when we come to the word prophet you know we have the old testament example but then we've also got a new testament expression or a new covenantal expression of it and the old testament's helpful and we need the old testament prophets and you know i I love studying them but but yeah, we, we have to work towards a New Testament understanding of this role. Now, Ephesians 4 makes it really clear that Jesus has given prophets to his church. Fantastic. Yay. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, who are these people? They're not going to necessarily look like Jeremiah or Isaiah or Ezekiel. So the, 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 a very simple definition of a fivefold prophet, of an apes prophet for me, is somebody with a particular calling and wiring to, to stay attuned to God's heart and keep the church 
church aligned with God's purposes and to protect the covenant relationship between God and his people. And what I observe with so many of the fivefold prophets I work with is that they, they're wired for both worship and warfare. So the worship side of that, you know, on the one hand, this fundamental desire to draw people deeper and deeper into God's presence, to help people engage with God's heart and voice. But then there's that warfare side which is that, that that wiring to question, to critique, to speak truth to power, to challenge injustice. You know, part of that is spiritual warfare as, as well. But I, I think those two elements, um, that's what I see in so many fivefold prophets, that yeah, w- worship and warfare. And and then when it when we come to the you know, well, what is the prophetic? You know, this is a word that we bandy about. You know, we, we use an awful lot. It's actually not a word that you find that much in scripture, but I think it is a really, really helpful word that provides an, an umbrella, you know, a, a big picture of, of all these different things that we're talking about. So the definition that I use in the book is that the prophetic is about the faithful holding out of God's reality so that it can be clearly seen and responded to so that transformation can take place. Place and so that relationship can be restored. And in coming up with that definition, I, I wanted to come up with, as I say, a big picture definition that is, yeah, I mean, my, my tribe is a British charismatic church and, and, I, and that, I, I love my tribe. I, I love a kind of healthy word and spirit engagement with, with the prophetic. But one of the issues with just a narrow charismatic approach to the prophetic is we think it's all about giving that word of prophecy. But -hmm. I think when we step back and look at a really big picture of the prophetic, when we look at the whole of the biblical tradition, particularly when we zoom in on Jesus's own prophetic ministry, he was the ultimate prophet, you know, the, the pinnacle of prophetic ministry in scripture, then it does encompass giving prophetic words, but it's so much more than that. So, as I said, it, it's about this holding out of God's supreme alternative reality. It, it's like we're, whenever we're in whatever situation we're in, what is God's take on this? How does God's reality speak into this situation? So we can be prophetic through our actions. We can be prophetic through our engagement with our neighbourhoods. It's not always about giving the word. Um, We can be prophetic in our workplaces as we stand up for truth and righteousness. So yeah, it's... That's one of the things I wanted to do in the book, create this bigger picture perspective that works in any expression of the body of Christ, not just <laughs> my own particular tribe. Yeah, I hope that makes sense. Oh, that was that was perfect. Because I remember going through the book and, and you, you know, you get to a definition. I'm like, oh, great. Here's a definition. You know, like, let's let's read this. And there was that line you just said. Um, to embody or speak out God's transformative reality and equip the whole body to engage with it. And I just stopped right there because that was probably the cleanest, clearest definition of prophetic that demystified it mm-hmm. that I'd ever read. And I, I kind of had to read it a couple of different times and be like, oh, wow, like this, like that was worth the price of admission right there. <laughs> that just, just that definition to say, oh, that, that makes it accessible. Because I've had so many people who have taken, you know, the, the five Q a pest assessment and they go, well, my top one's uh, prophetic. What does that mean? You know, what, what do I do with that? And they just kind of scratch their head and they, and they walk away and they go, I, 
how is this a gift to the church? I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But that definition, the, what you just said right there, just to embody it and to speak it out, uh, this this transformative reality, God's reality, it's like, oh, that makes it accessible for me. Yeah, great. Yeah, and and I think, you know, just going back to that, you know, people take the APES test. Some people, I'm a prophet. What on earth does that mean? And again, it is... It is um, getting away from the narrow confines of certain traditions, you know, like the, the charismatic tradition, where where the danger is if we see somebody giving lots of words of prophecy, we stick the label prophet on them. Mm. Um, and I understand why we do that. But, you know, I've I've worked with prophets of all types, you know, all sorts of persuasions. Some of them, it, it's much more about social justice. For some of them, it's much more about the quantum contemplative tradition you know just you know that that pouring out love and adoration on god and 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 resting in god's presence and and stillness and prayer and and i think yeah we 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 need a definition that works for for all prophets everywhere and i think uh, talking about god's transformative reality i'm hoping to really open the door to many many people engaging um with who jesus has shaped them to be you know, that's really beautiful. I, I hear you saying that you're expanding the definition of of prophet and, you know, kind of prophetic um, activity, that it's not just one individual um, just receiving a word and then maybe, you know, shouting out a word from the sidelines to the other people. And it's this one, you know, tiny function that I think we've, you know, We've we've shoved to the side just because it, like you say in the book, it's very disruptive <laughs> uh, uh, to us uh, and our comfort. Um, but one thing that I thought was just uh, amazing as another expansion that prophetic is not just individual, that it's communal. Mm-hmm. And you say in the book that we need to be adventuring together. And you say, though many churches have grasped hold of individual prophetic gifting, there is often a lack of understanding when it comes to the concept of shared identity as a prophetic body of people. Uh, so can you talk to us about expanding beyond just individual into communal mm-hmm. prophetic spaces? Yeah, and I think in many ways this gets to the real heart of the book, um, and it, it, it's the idea, and this is true of, of, of the whole of APES, you know, the whole of the fivefold. That yes, we can take an individual perspective on on the five gifts, five roles, but a deeper understanding is seeing them as as part of the core identity of the church itself. And I do a lot of work around prophetic culture, helping churches um, go, go deeper into healthy prophetic culture and asking questions what does it mean to have a a healthy mature prophetic culture and one of the things I'll often say is you know a a healthy prophetic culture is is not saying well we we, we've got those five crazy prophets over there in our church so we (laughs) must be prophetic you know (laughs) but it's it's not that at all it's it's all of us as the body of Christ, you know, this local expression body of Christ, recognising that part of our shared identity is we are a prophetic people. Now, I think the Bible makes it really clear that the church of Jesus is a prophetic community. You know, uh, there's obviously the APES perspective, there's the biblical tradition, there's the, the fact that, you know, Jesus is clearly 
prophetic and if being a Christian is following in Jesus's footsteps then then we all need to be imitating Christ in his prophetic ministry of course there's Pentecost you know I believe that on the you know, the day of Pentecost the day the church was born uh, the prophetic was you know, planted firmly into the DNA of the church itself you know I think Acts 2 makes that very clear so um, I think we are called as a body to be a prophetic community alongside being an apostolic community you know evangelistic etc etc so no matter what your individual apes profile is you know whether profit is bottom middle or top together we have to own this identity and i think that's quite a challenging mind shift because you know in the west we live in such an individualist individualized society we we're so used to thinking about me and my identity and my calling how on earth do we as the church start to think about a shared corporate communal identity but yeah i i wanted to bring that challenge and then you know in in part 2 of the book paint a picture of actually yeah what this looks like to to share this together and again i think you know go, going back to the different elements the different facets of, of the prophetic um you know the, the social justice the the charismatic the contemplative even the the more conservative elements you know that they they all give a language and a framework for helping everybody get on board with this yeah yeah, one of the things I found fascinating was you had a, a a little chart in there that talked about the role and function of APEST, you know, and then you talked about here's the role. So I'll give you an example. For profit, you said the prophet's wired for worship and a pursuit of justice focused on God's voice and God's concern. And a lot of times that's about where we stop, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay, so that's what I'm supposed to be about as a prophet. But then you talked about the the function and what you put on there was the prophetic church. That's a community able to stay faithful to God, hear his voice and bring God's shalom to the neighborhood. And I love that switch of saying, get it beyond just the mm. personal mm. to the, here's what, this is what the church's role is and in, in doing this as well. Mm. And that is such a timely word. That is so good. And I loved, I don't think I'd ever seen that before. I don't think I'd ever seen a pastor said, okay, here's, here's all the individual stuff. Got it. Oh, but here's the communal aspects of the church. That was gold. Again, Go worth ahead. the price of admission right there. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Alan. <laughs> um, well, let me ask you this. One of the things I really love about the book is you do, you start from a very, like you said, you go Old Testament, New Testament, and you really get into definitions. You talk about the grounding of this. So it's very um, high theology. But towards the end, when you get to part three there, you start to get very practical. Mm. You know, it's like, hey, let's let's work this down. It's not just theory. It's not just these big, big ideas, which are really good and, and ground the entire conversation. But you come down to the practical. And one of the things I found fascinating as a case study you put forth your church, St. Thomas, Philadelphia, and said, here's kind of what they've done. Mm. Tell me what it's like to be a part of a church that is actually living this out. Mm. Well, I just want to say we're, we're not perfect. <laughs> we, we, we are not perfect. You know, there's been lots of bumps on the road. But, yeah, we genuinely love the prophetic in all its different expressions. And it's interesting just to track the journey that God's had us on over the years. I, I think what's actually key is, is that fundamental to who we are as a church is we're passionate about missional discipleship. You know, discipleship mm-hmm. is at the core of everything we do. And I think that has provided such a firm, strong foundation for for going on to grow a healthy prophetic culture because the prophetic and discipleship have to go uh, alongside each other. Um, So 
over the last uh, 15 or so years, I have uh, been particularly focused on what we could call more of the vertical elements of, of prophetic culture. So teaching and training everybody in how to hear God, hear God for themselves, you know, that, that personal discipleship journey. We want everybody to have a sense of yeah, what is Jesus saying to me at the moment, recognising that he can speak in all sorts of wonderful ways? And then how do we step into that space of being able to encourage, strengthen and comfort each other through through timely words of encouragement, words of prophecy? So I've been very um, in, in involved in that and helping to identify and mentor prophets and, and making sure we've got good communication channels so that as the prophets are, are, are discerning what God is, is saying to the to the church, uh, the leaders are hearing that, you know, so there's, there's all sorts of work we've, we've done there. But I think what's key is that we've been able to normalise it. We've been able to mm. demystify it and create a language. You know, language creates culture. So we have been very intentional about our, our use of, of, of language and um yeah, just uh, it, 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 the heart of it is a desire to serve, serve each other, serve the church, serve the world. But as we have as we've done that, um, alongside that, there's this incredible ministry that's developed in our church called Restore Ministries, and I write about this in the book. Um, it's it's very much a a call to um, serve the least, last, and lost in our city. Mm. And yeah, there's been so many different facets to it over the years. But again, we've built that on the basis of discipleship. So you know, we we have. We have definitely um, uh, sought to challenge uh, the the strongholds of consumerism. You know, if we are disciples of Jesus, then that means a radical rethink of the way we do church, of the way we would live our lives. So it's meant that people have heard the call of Jesus to move to some of the poorest, um, uh, most economically challenged parts of our city. You know, that's countercultural. Uh, mm -hmm. It's meant people here in the call of Jesus to live in extended households. So again, that's very countercultural when society says, you know, it's all about the nuclear family and it's all about going up the career ladder. You know, people have, have chosen to thought differently. And that has created the space for us to be passionate about standing up for the marginalised and oppressed, you know, and and pour our resources into those that are supporting um, uh, people who are going through all sorts of difficulties. I mean, you know, I mentioned the cost of living crisis um, at the start and we are, our church alone is running or supporting 11 food banks currently and the mm. need is going up uh, weekly. And, and, you know, what I'm saying to our church is, you know, this is an example of the prophetic because we, we are responding to God's heart of compassion um, uh, for our city and responding to it. So, yeah, it, it's I, I love being in a church which is totally cool with the prophetic that doesn't bat <laughs> an eyelid when somebody, you know, stands up in church and shares a sense of what they think uh, God is is saying. But yeah, we, we've we've learned to do that in 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 a healthy way, 
um, in a way that is utterly rooted in discipleship and account in accountability and passionate about mission. And um, we, we're a missional community church, so we encourage everybody to be part of a missional community. And I, I think missional communities are a great place to grow a healthy prophetic culture because they're outward looking. It's about the community. It's about hearing God together, getting a sense of how God is calling us together to reach our city. So, yeah, that's just a, a quick snapshot. But, um, yeah. yeah, it's it's been great. What I love about that is you, you took um, activity that the church, I mean, should be doing, right? The church mm. should be doing this. But then you pointed it out and you labeled it and said, hey, that's that's actually the prophetic. Like, mm. that that's what this is. You know, a lot of people mm. are like, oh, that's just service. That's just whatever this is. That's just whatever that is. But you've taken what probably a lot of churches are already doing and saying, no, like label that correctly, define what that actually is and where that is coming from. And I think that's beautiful. And I think something else, so conversations that uh, I'm currently having with our church is also the workplace piece and recognizing that actually many people who are wired prophetically, God's got them in the workplace. They might, they may have no idea that they are ministering prophetically in the workplace but they are in the way that they they're prepared to stand up for for justice um that they were they might even be prepared you know called to be a whistleblower in in certain situations so again it's thinking outside the box it's recognizing that actually a key part of our prophetic ministry might be happening monday to friday in the workplace in our communities in our neighborhoods it's not just about what happens in church on a sunday uh, but it's lives lived 24 7 uh, from the heart of god yeah yeah. So I think I think I just now realized why I got so excited about your definition and some of this conversation. And it's because as we look at the missional conversation, one of the things that I'm always hoping for is to be able to free the kingdom imagination in people. Right. Because mm-hmm. a lot yeah. of times, especially in the West, we've relegated that to the paid professionals. Yeah. Like that's your call. You do that. And then I just receive the religious goods and services and I move on and maybe I'll volunteer in the kids, nur- the kids nursery or whatever. But what you're saying is that's everybody's it's everybody's call. And, and this is how you unlock this missional, this kingdom imagination, and you're holding forth God's reality and in your workspace, in your neighborhood, uh, through the church, all of these different things. It just now clicked in my brain. <laughs> so I had to share it. I'm a verbal processor. It's really beautiful. I was picturing just some of the very conservative, uh, maybe pastors listening to this right now going, oh, we are prophetic. <laughs> like a, an awakening of like, oh, we we help out with food banks and we, you know, do these yeah. things that we would deem as service, but to to see that as a part of that prophetic gifting. Yeah. Um, and, and I think one of the challenges I'm wanting to bring in the book is that when we think about the prophetic call to social justice, yes, many churches are already doing it. They're already connecting with God's heart. But as we name it as such, then that's going to bring a higher level, that, that's going to bring a sharpness, a, a, a greater sense of clarity. So in the book, I encourage people to be actively pursuing God and, and seeking God for what he is calling that particular church to do. And I think one of the problems is, you know, we we become aware of that, that sense of holy discontent, things aren't right, you know, people in my 
city are hungry. People in my city are homeless. And we feel we have to fix everything. And we just kind of run around and exhaust ourselves on good mm-hmm. causes. Now, I'm all for good causes. But yeah, what I'm trying to do in the book is say that every single church can seek God and say, OK, Lord, what's the one or two things that you are calling us to do? And if every church was able to do that, then I, I think we'd I, I think our good causes would be even more effective because we're we're doing that in the power and guidance of the Holy Spirit, not just because we we think they're a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Well, you've kind of said this already in a lot of different ways, but the question I have for you is this book is now out in the wild. It's been out for about a month, I think, now since yeah. we're recording this. So what's your 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 biggest hope as you send this book out? Oh, gosh. Um, I long to see a healthy, mature, prophetic ministry established in, in every single church, every single expression of the body of Christ, one that can work humbly and effectively alongside the other fivefold. Um, you know, so, for example, I, I just love working alongside apostles. You know, God's graciously put me alongside so many wonderful apostles in, in my ministry. But, yeah, I, I, I want to see a church that... Um, can grow a healthy expression of the prophetic, uh, because I think that is what what is needed now, and that is really Jesus shaped. And I, when I look across the world, um, there are wonderful wonderful expressions of the prophetic, but I, I think the, the question for me is always, is it Jesus shaped? Uh, as I'm hearing these prophetic words, this prophetic ministry, um, as I'm observing these prophetic actions do they reflect the heart of Jesus? And that is such a good test. So I, I long for a truly Jesus-shaped prophetic ministry that can work alongside the other ministries and and help uh, lead the church to maturity. That's what Ephesians all about, isn't it? The maturity of, of the body of Christ. Um, and, and then I think for you know, something else I long for the book is is for churches that have always been nervous uh, about the prophetic. You know, for for church leaders who have yeah, um, wanted to engage with it, but. Um, that they're nervous about what it might mean. I just wanted to provide a book that would um, hopefully provide a bit of a a route map towards how to do this in a way that is not going to go crazy, that is not going to go off the rails, but is, um, is really going to promote discipleship, empower mission and lead to maturity. So, yeah, they're, they're just some of the things I hope uh, for this book. Um, yeah, just yeah. just small hopes, right? Just little tiny hopes. <laughs> yeah, Nothing big. Maybe you need big, to shoot bigger there, Kath. Big. Like every yeah. church to, to be prophetic and have it be formed in the, in, the, in the likeness of Christ. You know, just a little thing, little things like that. It's great. But I think we can all say amen. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I want to live in that reality. Mm-hmm. Um, Kath, not only have you put forth Holy Disruption as a book, but you have an organization called Accessible Prophecy in which you work with individuals and churches on this process. Can you tell us a little bit about Accessible Prophecy? Yes, I'd love to. Yeah, so um, I, I get, so the ministry really started um, 10 or more years ago. And as I say, I've been working hard in my own church, uh, developing a healthy prophetic culture. And God very clearly um, said to me one day that he wanted me to 
uh, to start multiplying this ministry into other churches, uh, not because we're perfect, but because yeah, the things that we were learning, yeah, that sense of being able to multiply them. So that's what I've done. And we, as I said, we're working with all sorts of churches, denominations, stream, flavours around the world. Um, and we are seeking to produce just some fantastic training materials, coaching opportunities, both for individuals who are wanting to go deeper in their own engagement with this uh, fascinating ministry, whether they're a, a FIFO prophet or not. You know, we, we, we work with lots of prophets, but we also work with uh, lots of apostles, evangelists, shepherds and teachers as well. But, yeah, there's that personal journey. How do I how do I start to hear? What, was, what does it mean to hear God's voice? How can I do that? Um, really well? How can I go deeper in prophetic gifts? But um, the, the thing we're equally passionate about is the church itself and developing healthy prophetic culture. So we have training opportunities for churches, uh, for, for leaders. We have training around uh, social justice. We have training around prophetic art. You know, we're, we're constantly seeking just to uh, produce as many good training opportunities as we can. Yeah. So that's just a little bit about what we do. You know, Kath, as I have sat with some of your words in the book and now being able to, to meet you and to discuss, um, I feel an excitement about being able to have a non-anxious presence in this world, to be able to discern God's voice and to hold that truth out for myself and for other people and you know coming from a very conservative background and tiptoeing my way into understanding of of the prophetic and prophecy um, along with you know people that I rub shoulders with that are more charismatic and I get to learn from and then the way that you have demystified this it just gives me an excitement of the possibility and I'm also struck by how aligned with discipleship this is that uh, that discipleship is going to be malformed in our churches without the prophetic gifting present. Um, and I, you know, I say all the time because you know we come from a missional lens that discipleship without mission is malformed. But I think I could say the same is true for the prophetic. That without us holding together, this is what God's saying, and this is our our reality and our truth together communally, individually, um, that, that we won't be conformed into the image of, of Christ. It's absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you for um, creating space to demystify this for us and so that we can all access and step into our prophetic. Thank you. It's been great to be part of the podcast today. Thank you for listening to the Forge America Missional Podcast. Forge America cultivates practitioners who join in the mission of God. If you'd like to know more about us, feel free to check us out at forgeamerica.com.